you know, you, you need those times where you sit there and go, you know, this sucks and why me? And you look at people around you that are doing what they want to do and doing what you want to be doing. But I think you've just got to think that it, it's not all bad and that you've got to take positives out of it. Hello and welcome everyone to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. I'm Hugo and for all the new listeners tuning in today, welcome to the show. And for everyone else, I do apologise that it has been a while since the last episode, but Dahlia and I have both had a lot going on at the moment in our personal lives and also with our health. And as 25 Stay Alive is all about being proactive with your health and looking after yourself, that's exactly what we're doing. That being said, we will be doing an episode together next week, giving an update on what exactly has been going on, and I'll also talk about my upcoming major surgery. In the meantime, we'll get into today's episode. And with the AFL Grand Final this weekend, which, by the way, I'm very excited to say I'm going to, I thought it would be great to get an AFL Premiership player on the show, but more importantly, someone who has had to overcome significant adversity in their career. So I was fortunate enough to sit down with Alex Johnson to talk about the highs and lows of AFL. And if you don't know Alex or Alex's story, he has one of the greatest comeback stories the game has ever seen. But as you'll find out later on in the episode, football can be a cruel game. Enjoy, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Alex Johnson, or welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. The 25 Stay Alive podcast does symbolise the typical young person who's overcome adversity you know, in their life and and kind of what others can learn from that. And I think your story, which we'll obviously get to in a second, it's, you know, it's not a the, some of the other guests we've had on, you know, overcoming cancers or certain illnesses and these types of things, but I think it definitely does uh, epitomise resilience uh, from what you've overcome in, in sort of the last, you know, nine years or so. Yeah, no doubt about it. No, I, I really appreciate you. And I think you reached out a few months ago and I uh, looked into your story and, you know, obviously what you've been through has, you know, been a massive, a huge journey for you and what you've overcome is, is unbelievable. And I use someone like you over over my journey as well to to put things into perspective for me and, and those types of things. And, you know, what this podcast is, what you want to try and achieve with it is is, is awesome, really. It, it makes it, you know, I suppose it's okay to talk about things and it's okay to be struggling a little mm. bit with, with whatever you're going through. And, yeah, I think having these avenues for, for young people to be able to, listen to other people going through struggles and, and encouraging that conversation, I suppose, is is a huge thing in today's society. Exactly right. I think it it can be the power of social media and, <laughs> and these platforms to really do that. But look, on that, Alex, we will, we will get into a bit of your story and your, your journey in terms of relating to AFL. And it started, we'll go right back, I suppose, from the early days on, on when you first got picked up. You were, you're an under-18 captain. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, my, my sort of junior days were, were interesting. I you know, I won a sort of a league best and fairest in under 13s and thought, you know, I was going okay and then started playing seconds at school and, you know, footy probably wasn't going as, mm. as what I'd hoped. You know, I think, you know, my parents recall at eight or nine years of age, sort of people saying, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And me saying an AFL footballer and I think majority of kids in Melbourne probably say that yeah. and you're, you're being from Adelaide as well. Yeah. It's sort of the, the number one code. And I thought that growing up, mate, but then I was yeah. uh, when I was starting to play thirds footy, I thought maybe that dream's <laughs> a bit far-fetched. But by saying that, Tom Harley, I think uh, I think he played thirds footy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, yeah. for those listening, if you're kicking around in the thirds uh, or seconds, you know. The dream's not over. <laughs> the dream's not yeah. over. Well, yeah, that was that was a little bit like me. I, I started, I was playing seconds in year nine and 10 and 11 and 
sort of thinking maybe this this won't go the way I sort of had hoped it would. And you know, I think my parents recall that yeah, it's a great dream for a kid to have, and you should have goals when you when you're growing up. But you know, the reality is it's probably not going to happen. Mm. You know, for for most people that grow up dreaming about that, it, it doesn't eventuate. So yeah, I was really lucky that it did. I, I had a full year playing under 18s, was captain that year, which was great. We had a we had a pretty successful season, and then. You know, I was lucky enough to get drafted along with yeah. a few of my mates. So You kind of knew that there was a pretty high chance you'd get drafted, but uh, you know, come draft night, you got picked up at pick 57 in the 2010 draft. 10 draft, yep. Uh, pick 57, and we are saying, like, even though you're confident-ish that, you know, well, you hopefully will get a chance on an AFL club, when it starts to get in the 40s and 50s, you think, oh, hopefully I get my name gets called out pretty soon, and it did. Yeah, I mean, you think it's going to happen, but you hear horror stories of people, you know, mm. getting all their friends around and watching, and it doesn't eventuate, so... I sat there just, just with the five of us, a family, got an older brother and older sister and, and mum and dad, obviously, and really close family. You know, I sort of didn't like going on school camp and stuff. I was a bit of a homebody and a bit of a mum, mummy's boy, I suppose, growing up. So, um, yeah, when Sydney called my name, it was mixed emotions. I was, you know, absolutely wrapped to fulfil the dream of, of getting on an AFL list, I suppose, and I think mum was absolutely devastated in tears. And then, you know, a party sort of ensued after that. All my friends came around and stuff like that. So it is, it is really special, but... It's a weird concept. You find out, you know, your future and ended up being the next eight years for me, you know, on, on a little banner that flashes up on the TV screen. It's sort of, it's something that you, you can't really prepare yourself yeah. for. It is, it's, it's extremely strange. So, And I believe you're a bit of a forward going through your, your early footy days, but then Sydney got you on board and weren't too sure if it was forward or back. And John Longmire at the time, he saw obviously some big potential in putting you in the back line, which is, which is where you ended up. And, but then come sort of round three, had your debut what, what was that like as a young 19 year old you've been picked up by Sydney you've moved your life to Sydney and you, you're running out there for your first game as a 19 year old what was that like yeah I suppose fast forward five or six months to round three against West Coast over in Perth I'd never been to Perth before and the coaches called me on a conference call on the uh, Tuesday afternoon just after training I'd sort of played a couple of practice matches in the in the reserves and thought I was going okay no real inkling as you sort of said I was a I was the third round you know, the third pick in the draft for the Swans, pick 57, you sort of don't think so. My, my goal was to play, you know, one game in my in my first season, but a spot opened up against West Coast and, yeah, as I say, the sort of the rest was history. But, yeah, it was an absolute dream come true. And obviously, you know, it, it, you did something right because basically from then, which is it's pretty rare these days for a first-year player especially to, to cement their spot and then basically to play out the entire year and that's... And that's what you did. You didn't. You stayed in the squad. Yeah, it was, it was really lucky, and you know, I'm, I'm really indebted to the club that they gave me that, the opportunity to, to play so early. And mm. um, yeah, absolutely amazing. And then it, you know, along comes 2012, and 2012 was a pretty uh, pretty successful year. Yeah, as you said, 2012 was unbelievable. I, you know, full preseason, played every preseason game, and then played every game that year. So you know, it ended up being 25, which is the best outcome possible playing in a grand final, and um, you know, tasting the ultimate success was was just unbelievable. And you went in as underdogs against Hawthorne in 2012. And what's it like as a 19-year-old to just win a grand final for the Sydney Swans in only your second year of football? Do you know what you want to explain? That the yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's something you sort of dream of again. I suppose the first dream as a kid is, you know, I want to play AFL first and foremost. And then the next, you know, once you sort of achieve that, it's, you know, what could it be like? And I remember sort of sitting there in 2011 at the end of my first year, you know, watching that grand final play out and you sort of think like what you do to sort of be there and you see the Geelong guys win and, you know, how much it means to them. And as you said, Hawthorne, they were the best team. They finished top of the ladder. They were the strongest team all year. But I think there was just something about the group. We just had this ultimate belief and Mm -hmm. trust in each other and 
all, you know, confidence that we could, if we all executed, we could go out and get things done. And, you know, speaking of neutral footy fans, I sort of say it's one of the best grand finals that has been played out in the last 20 years. So to be a part of that and, you know, the, the final siren goes mm. and you sort of just, it, it was just unbelievable. Malcheski kicked a goal with sort of 30, 40 seconds left on the clock and we, we knew that yeah. and you sort of knew, you know, we've got this yeah, with 10 yeah. points up. We probably can't, we probably can't lose, you know, something would have to go horrendously yeah, wrong, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's it's it is unbelievable. Like the last kick of the game as well, which is which is nice, which is a oh, bit of a trivia you. point. Yeah, there you go. But um, I suppose for people listening, they <clears throat> they probably don't understand that how difficult it is to win a premiership. There are three hundred game players who never taste that ultimate success, and you you often hear it from time and time again when they say that these are stars of the comp. Where they say, "I'd give all my individual honours and awards." up in a heartbeat to just taste that, you know, grand final and winning that premiership. It is. It's amazing, really. I remember speaking to Bobby Skilton, and for those who don't know, he's a, you know, absolute icon of the Sydney Sydney Swans Football Club. You know, he's won a couple of Brownlows and was an amazing player. He sort of said after, he said, I'd give both my Brownlows up to, to just sort of be there. I think he played in one final in his career, and it was a losing final. So, you know, the fact that, yeah, I was, I was you know, 19, 20 years of age and, and to play in a grand final... You know, in only my second year and, and win was was just unbelievable, really. And, yeah, you speak to guys that played for 15, 16 years and, and never never sort of experienced final success, let alone, mm. you know, being being the last team standing on that last day in September. It's It was very, very special. No, it is. It's obviously an amazing feeling you would have had and, and you know, well-deserved. You, you worked hard to get to that position on, on that day, the last day in September. But I suppose people are probably uh, probably saying right now, well, hang on a second, you know, where's the <laughs> – this is a pretty awesome story. Yeah, that's right. What's it got Everything's to, upside. What's, Everything it, what's it got to do with 25 Stay Alive? <coughs> but I suppose this is where your story takes a little bit of a, you know, an unfortunate turn. So you've kind of you've, – you've tasted the ultimate success, really, for, for football as far as any AFL player is concerned. It's such a – early on in your career – you know, you would have gone into the 2013 season full of, you know, hopefully back to back, you know, full of hope and, and like you would, you know, like I said, you had cemented your spot in that, that back six. Who knows? You know, you could have, your whole career was ahead of you. You're, you're, you're a young guy at the time, but then it didn't exactly go to plan. So after that premiership and after that game, you then unfortunately had a, uh, an ACL injury and that was, you know, your first and as the listeners will discover the first of a few uh, ACLs, and just want to explain what it's uh, what it was like. And um, I believe it was in a preseason game against Gold Coast, yep. and just before the the official season was about to kick off, and you went down and, and did your ACL. Yeah, that's right. It, uh, as you said, you know, you sort of the amount of confidence you get from playing in a grand final and winning one. And you know, I had an okay game. I, I was pretty. It's probably the best game of AFL I've, I've played, to be honest with you. You know that that game, and mm. you sort of the confidence you take out of that is massive because. Every game, other than that, is insignificant. So you sort of, you sort of, it's it's easy. It's easy to play sort of round one to twenty two if you've if you've experienced that and the pressures of finals footy. That yeah, it was my probably my first full preseason in, in two thousand and thirteen, and felt really good going in. You know, I wanted to I'd cemented myself in, you know, Sydney's best twenty two, but I wanted to cement myself and you know make make a stamp on the competition mm. and sort of you know, really cement myself as one of the premier defenders in yeah. the competition. That was most, those were my goals going into that year. And, um, yeah, as you said, it was a, the third preseason game of, of the, you know, the, the preseason competition and a week or two out from round one. And, um, yeah, just an insignificant step off my, off my left, which probably came about 15, 20 minutes into the first quarter. You know, it's a movement that I would have done thousands, you know, millions of times probably growing up that you just step off, no contact and, uh, I just felt my knee gave way and sort of buckled under me and 
yeah, not having too many injuries growing up, I I uh, hadn't missed too many games of footy. Just you know, sort of a few minor things, a few ankles here and there, but nothing nothing significant. I sort of didn't believe it at the time. I went in. I remember going in to the doctor's room and him doing the the Lockman test, which anyone out there who knows an ACL would know the Lockman test, and that's the most that's the feared test. You mm. you, you don't want that to have no endpoint because that means that you know you've ruptured the ACL, which can um, can put you out for twelve months, really. Uh, he sort of said that, and then I got up and started running around and jumping around. I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, let me back out there. He's like, no, look, you're not. And as a sort of 21-year-old kid, I'm thinking, no, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll play next week. Uh, then obviously the days that follow, you get scans and those types of things, and the reality sets in that, you know, you will miss 12 months of footy. Mm. You know, obviously 12 months turned into four or five years pretty quickly after that with complications coming, but it was the start of a, you know, the journey, I suppose, and yeah, and then that's exactly right, and that's the where your your I guess story comes into it with the whole overcoming significant adversity and and the resilience through through what you've gone through with that. After that grand final, you probably would have never in your wildest dreams have thought it would have been six years from the grand final, six years until you got to play another game of AFL. It's just hard to comprehend. You you know you're one of the up and coming young defenders of the competition. You've just had a grand final. You've done a an ACL in the preseason game against Gold Coast, and then I understand you had two ACLs that year. You had a, a traditional knee reconstruction and a Lars. Yep. Um, you've had two ACLs that year. Your whole 2013 is wiped out. At that stage, you're still what your early 20s. You're still yeah, confident 20s, that yep. you'll get through it. And after those that 2013 season. What was going through your head there and where were you at and then kind of what happened next? Yeah, I suppose you sort of, you think, right, I've got 12 months out. I'm only 21. I'll, I'll be back when I'm 22 and, you know, continue on the next 12 years, 13 years of my career, which is what you sort of, you think after I played 45 games out of a possible 49 in my mm. first two years and you think, how good is this going to be? I'm going to go on and play 300 games and, you know, win a few flags and it'll be a great career. But yeah, I mean, going into the 2014 season, as you said, I had a traditional reconstruction, which didn't quite go the way we we'd anticipated and I started running and got some soreness and inflammation and things and they went in and said, yeah, look, it hasn't worked. So that's when I opted for a Lars. Mm -hmm. People out there that don't know a Lars uh, reconstruction is they use a synthetic ligament and the time is a lot less than what a traditional is. A traditional sort of, you know, usually 12 months, it's sort of coming down nowadays, but a Lars, you can get back in three months. Nick Malcheski played in 11 weeks after a Lars reconstruction and so he was someone I was pretty close to at the time. He did that in 2011. He uh, had that reconstruction, did it, and then obviously got back and was an integral part of the 2012 Premiership team. So I sort of thought, yeah, sweet, I'll, I'll be back and I'll get back in time for, for the start of the 2014 season, which is which I did. I got through the yep. whole pre-season, which looking back, I sort of don't understand how I did because my knee was never in great shape. I was, you know, getting it drained a fair bit. And, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't ever look great, but it felt fine. And I was able to tick every box. Um, so I made it back to a... Reserves practice match before the before the round one game. The the seniors played the Giants out there. Um, had played sort of nine ten minutes and looked good. And I, I sort of felt good again. I felt good playing. I'd, I'd had a bit bit of involvement, you know, a couple of scorer involvements off a half back, and, and felt really good. And then just launched for a ball as I'd done you know a hundred times at training yep. and as you do as a as a footballer. And yeah, my ne- left knee gave way and same same knee game. same knee. Yeah, you know you know exactly when it happens and. The physio who's still at Sydney now, it's his first day on the job and we've become pretty close since that moment. But uh, yeah, I don't think he'd anticipated that for his first game day experience. It probably wasn't the ideal one. Yeah. So then by then, you know, you'd, you'd work so hard to get back after the 2013 being wiped off. You put just the recovery and the rehab and the mindset to get back to the top level. Obviously, that was your, your goal. 
like you said, you did a, 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 the same knee in a reserve game in your first game back. Uh, and then 2014 and 15 were probably, especially 2015, were, were definitely your more difficult times as far as, as you put it offline, Alex, and you said all of a sudden you realised that football was no longer your priority uh, and sort of your health was your priority. And do you just want to explain what happened through those days? Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And I think the, the big thing for me is I got told as a young kid, like, you know, coming into an AFL system, take control of your career and, you know, control what you can control. And when you've got medical issues and things like that, you can't control it. It's you're putting, you know, your trust and your faith in surgeons to, to do the right thing. Uh, so I suppose the, the underlying thing was that I had sort of a low-grade infection in my knee and that's why, you know, the ACL wasn't mm-hmm. taking properly and it wasn't strong. Uh, so after that initial, that was the 15th of March in 2014, I, I did that in the reserves game and a couple of weeks later, I had just a clean out just to get on top of everything. Um, went on a strong course of antibiotics. You know, some IV. I was in hospital for a couple of weeks at that that point, having IV antibiotics administered, and then you know went on heavy duty oral antibiotics, which sort of you know lasted two years really on and off, which was horrendous. Really, I mean, antibiotics aren't you know putting it's sort of putting acid and poison into your body to try and kill something, but it's mm. not it's not good for the rest of your body. So mm, sure. Yeah, having that experience was was horrendous. Really, You've, I felt sick a lot of the time, and um, yeah, it was it was an int- it was a yeah it was a tough journey. So, had a couple of procedures then, had a and then I had another reconstruction at the end of 2014, which was in there for probably three weeks. My knee blew up, responded terribly to it. So, oh, by, sorry, by that stage, what number was that in 2014? Uh, that was number three. Number three. So, yeah, so that was the third reconstruction yeah. and operation, probably number five or six. I yep. think. So you're, you're ticking along so, by then. Yeah, ticking along. No, knew what hospital was all yeah, about. Yeah. And, um, and then that sort of wiped out the 2015 season. I needed a, a bone graft, which is where they go in and fill the tunnels in. Went on another heavy duty course of antibiotics, you know, to try and get on top of things. And then at the end of 2015, had another reconstruction in sort of late November. I think that was in there for six or seven days. I, I woke up one day and could hardly walk. My knee was extremely large and inflamed. I went to the doctor and he sort of said, look, we can't mess around with this. We need to get to hospital. Um, and is that when you um, you eventually it got to a stage you've had four ACLs in your left knee, you've had you know a dozen or so surgeries, surgeries yeah. you had the infection, uh, and then that's when you the orthopedic surgeon, the doctor said to you, look, Alex, mate, we're going to have to do something about this. You look at do something with the ACL. It means you won't ever play football again, and and kind of saying, mate, <laughs> enough's enough, kind of thing. But you, what was your response to that? I'll, I'll prove you wrong. I've always been pretty <laughs> stubborn, I suppose. So, yeah, that was it. I had two operations in three days then. Um, the first one was to, you know, look after what was left of the ACL. And the, the conversation was pretty much, look, you know, your knee's in good enough shape to, to live a healthy life. And we sort of think we've got on top of it. But you'll never play footy again. And I looked at him straight away and sort of thought, are you stupid? Like, no I'll way. play footy again. <laughs> I'll be out there. Just yeah, that, wait. That's right. So the next day proceeded. He, he went in there, cleaned everything out. And then... I sat down with a few surgeons at, at that around that time in, in 2015 and majority of them said, yeah, look, you should choose something else. It's, it's clear that footy's not going to work out for you. Um, and that's when I came down to, to Melbourne and, and saw Julian Fowler, who was the surgeon I originally wanted to see in 2013. He was away. It happened. So I, I went with another sort of reputable orthopedic surgeon. But Julian looked at me and sort of said, yeah, like, there's, sort of, there's no issue here. I, I, I feel as I'll be able to do a two-stage reconstruction on you. We'll put a little bit of sort of insurance on the outside of your knee that'll be that'll act as sort of a lateral ACL um yeah we'll, we'll get you back and I've got no hesitation in that and when you've got the best surgeon you know in Australia and arguably the world sort of saying that to you you, you can't but take confidence out of it and that's mm-hmm. what I did and so we went ahead in 2016 and had a two-stage reconstruction in 
February and May that year, and you know that's what that's what got me back to playing footy, which uh, which you know I'm forever indebted to to Julian, and you know we've we've had a lot to do with each other since. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very thankful for what he was able to do to to get me back and get me on the right track. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a oh, it's an up and down period. There's no doubt about that. When you're sort of lying in a hospital bed, and they're more worried about whether they're going to save your leg, you know, ensuring that you can walk again rather than just the footy thing. It, football becomes a second priority but you know I understand it, it basically from that 2014 to 16 period it, it really it, it took about you know over two years before you even started properly running again and it was just a very lengthy recovery and, and rehab process but you eventually got to the stage where you returned through the NEFL yep you know you're, you're determined to prove your doctor wrong yeah you, that's right that you will play again um, and at this stage you know you were pretty you weren't far off from you know hopefully you know getting a, a game again for Sydney yeah that's right it's uh yeah it's one of those things that you sort of my goal was always to get back and play AFL, and uh, I got back in the 2017 season just playing in the reserves up at Sydney. Uh, you know, felt really good for the first probably four or five games, and then other parts of your body start to go, actually, you know, this is the rigours of footy again. It's sort of, they take their toll, so I had a few groin issues and things like that. And then there's all the, the talk about, you know, contracts and those types of things, so you've got that to worry as well, and that's sort of, that takes its toll on you. There was a I was in limbo for probably six to eight weeks at the end of the 2017 season. You know, not sure whether they were going to give me a go. My, my footy probably hadn't been great. I, I'd got back and played some some reasonable games, but my body, mm. you know, wasn't allowing me to do the things that I that I used to be able to do. And you sort of get frustrated, like I put all this work in. You just want to get back and be able to play. So yeah, at the end of then, at the end of the 2017 season, Sydney delisted me, which was the first time over that journey that they had. They'd they'd been up unbelievable up until that point, and they still were, you know, unbelievable, giving me an opportunity to get back. But yeah, it was the first time where I was out of contract, unknown, and you're sort of thinking maybe this is maybe this is it, maybe it's all over. Luckily for me, they gave me an opportunity to, to come back in, in good nick in the 2018 preseason and, and show that I could still play and still had the fitness yep. and the desire and things. And I did. I think it was after the day one of preseason, I, I came back a bit earlier with sort of the younger group because I needed to. And after day one, they sort of you know came to me and said, "Yeah, look, you know, we're pretty right with mm. how you've come back. We'll give you another opportunity." But you're still not sure whether you're gonna whether you're gonna make it back to the AFL because it's it seems so far away. Well, and that's it. And you know, you've always got with the AFL every single year. There's fresh young talent continually coming through sides, and you're, you're always competing for a spot. So from the 2012 Premiership up until fast tracking to 2017, you had basically done you know over 12 operations and five knee reconstructions on the one knee, being your left knee. Yep. And you got to a stage where you did prove your, your surgeon wrong and you got to, I guess, as far as the strength of the knee was concerned, to a level to play AFL again. And I think that's pretty remarkable. And you then, what was it like when you got the call up to then have your return game? And I suppose this this number I'm about to read out is probably something you, you, you might already have it tattooed. I don't know. No, I've, I've thought about you've it. You've thought yeah, it? Yeah. So it was 2,136 days. So, you know, just try and comprehend that 2136 days after Alex played in the 2012 grand final and it took six years and 2136 days I keep repeating that because I just find it just ridiculous till you uh then got the opportunity to play in the senior side and I guess play your your massive comeback game and just want to quickly just describe what that was like from the resilience and the mindset to get back into and I think we spoke about this at breakfast. You, 
you didn't get gifted that game. You know, it's not like the club said, oh, I feel sorry for Alex. He's been working hard behind the scenes. Let's just give him this this re- return game because it's a feel-good story. Yeah. You weren't that. You weren't that game and you weren't that spot. What was it like after six years? Yeah, look, it was it was amazing, really. Um, so that was, yeah, that was last year, around, around 21, I think, around 20. I'll sort of never forget the moment. It was, it was a day off, player's day off. I was in there just catching up with the physios and getting on top of all things that, you know, you sort of need to get up for the weekend's game. My form had been okay in the NFL. I'd, I'd started to feel as though I was contributing and, you know, putting myself in a position where I could potentially play AFL again. And I think they'd had a few conversations and I sort of went to went to John at the time and, and Ray Shaw, who's a defensive coach, and said, like, you know, what else do I have to do to play? I, I think I'm ready. And the boys had lost three out of the last four games and we got badly beaten by Essendon the week before. And I was annoyed that I wasn't playing against Essendon. So it was becoming... I'd sort of forgotten about the knees. I'd played enough footy to, to just... You know, I was at that point where any footballer gets turned, you get frustrated because you not get picked. You're you, not getting picked. Your body, so. your body was right as far as the physical side. Absolutely, of and so you sort of start going, why aren't I playing? Why aren't I playing? And then John called me into the match committee room. We sat down and sort of had a bit of a chat, and he asked a few questions about how the body was and how I thought I'd been going. And you know, I think we'd had a conversation the day before about, do you think you're ready to play AFL? And you know, it's a no-brainer for me. I said, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, all you've got to do is pick me. So anyway, sort of, we had a bit of a chat, you know, two or three minute conversation. And I thought, oh, he's going to tell me that I'm, you know, I'm not in this week or whatever. And then he just, you know, lifted up the the whiteboard and, and there my name was at fullback on on Mason Cox, who was sort of an informed player of the competition at the time. And I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. We sort of sat there and, you know, shared a really emotional moment. It's I'd been dreaming of that moment, you know, for for 2,136 days to finally get back on an AFL field and it was uh, it was just unbelievable really. The sort of mayhem and pandemonium and stuff that followed after was, was huge because it, it was a massive story. Mate, it's probably one of the, the biggest sort of story comebacks in recent memory yeah. as far as the longevity of what you went through over that six-year period and the five ACLs on the same knee, most players would have probably rightfully so given up or taken their surgeon's advice after the fourth ACL and thought, you know, maybe footy's just not right for me at this point in time in my life. There are other things I can do. Yep. But you you kept going at it and, um, and you know, you put this post up on your, your social media and your Instagram saying exactly that 2,136 days later, wouldn't have been able to do it without these legends. Yeah. You know, the support I had over the journey was unbelievable. Obviously, first and foremost, the footy club and Guys like Ray Shaw, who I played alongside and then was my coach, he was unbelievable for me. He was just a you know, massive sounding board and always backed me in. Well, and you, then, you had Reese's old number, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, when he retired, he hung up the boots in 2015 and, and said, oh, you know, will you take over mm. two for him? But also for me, he said it could mm. change your luck. Yeah, that was really special. We share a really special relationship. But then, you know, my family as well, I, I touched on before, a really close family and going to Sydney as an 18-year-old was, was really difficult for me and them. Um, but yeah, you know, mum was the, was the first person I called when, when John told me I was playing and she was just, she sort of couldn't believe it and was over the moon and dad and brother and sister and girlfriend as well. They were just, you know, absolutely wrapped. It was, it was, it was just so special to be able to, you know, make that phone call and, you know, the, the next few days I found out on the Wednesday that I was playing and the next few days were, yeah, were unbelievable. I just sort of felt like, you know, I'm a footballer again, obviously there's nerves and, you know, all eyes were on me. It was, you know, it was a massive story. It was a massive week. Um, and I sort of, you, you, being in Sydney as a footballer, you don't, you know, you sort of fly under the radar a bit. I remember yep. going to the supermarket that Wednesday afternoon and three people came up to me and they're like, you know, congratulations, yeah. we'll wrap you back. And I sort of was like, what's going on here? Yeah. You, know, you is, never get recognised yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, after the premiership. No one, had, no one sort of knew who you were or whatever yeah. because of the, of the magnitude of the story. And 
it was making news everywhere. It was it was huge. Yeah, of course, um, and justifiably so, mate. Like yeah. it's a huge story. Yeah, no doubt about it. So yeah, that that game couldn't have panned out panned out any better. It was against Collingwood. It was a must win game for us, and we got over the line by two points. Um, it was it was unbelievable. Really, it was to be able to be out there with twenty one of your closest mates and sing the song after and celebrate. And I had all my family and friends up in Sydney, and you know we had a great sort of. Great celebration after, and it was just so special to be able to have everyone around and sort of, you know, have, share a few beers and those types of things after and just sort of reflect a little bit and go, you know, I've, I've been able to get back and play. So you, you've just had this unbelievable high and, you know, after that flag, the winning the flag and that feeling, it's taken another six years just for you to then play a nut, one more AFL game, six years of just constant determination and resilience and, and what comes with that. But... I suppose it was pretty short-lived for you, mate, as far as that, that natural high that you had and I guess what happened, I suppose, uh, eight days later, which I guess half the country who follows AFL had their bloody hands in their mouths when, when they saw you strap on the boots for the following game. Yeah, I, sort of, I remember walking out on Monday and I, I think I said to my girlfriend when I got home, I just said, I, this is, I just feel normal again. I feel, mm. feel like a footballer and that's what I've been craving for so long. You're mate. almost like your knee and your injuries, they didn't define you anymore. You know, yeah. You're finally a... AFL football, like you said, Alex Johnson ready to back it up for the next game and continue on with your career. That's right. You sort of phase two of my career was starting mm-hmm. again, and um, yeah, it was it was another must win game for the for the boys, and we needed to win to to make finals. And I thought this is going to be great. I'm going to play in another final series, and, and who knows where it could go. And and yeah, I suppose what happened next. I suppose it was uh, about the 21 minute mark of the first quarter, and I was cooked. You sort of you can't replace what the intensity and f- the pace of the AFL is, and yeah, I was I was blowing hard, and you know the runner had come out and said, "Come off," you know, when you get an opportunity, and you know people that play the sport know that you you can't just come off whenever you like. You've got to make sure you you pick the right time. Anyway, the ball got kicked in, sort of went over my head. Hogan had goal side on me, and I uh, ran into the pocket of of the MCG. He turned, I stepped off my right, which is a knee I've never had an issue with, and yeah, it gave way, and over the boundary line I went, and the my body just sort of jerked on the on the motion, and, and yeah, I knew straight away that that things weren't great. Anyone who's sort of done an ACL or significant injury before knows exactly what the feeling's like. And that slingshot deceleration motion is, yeah, I knew straight away. Unbelievable. And like you just touched on that, that is your good knee. Yeah. That's that's your good knee, the one that you've never had any issues in. After six years of five ACLs in your left knee, you then finally have your second game back after that high that you felt on the previous week. Eight days later, you then do another ACL on your good knee. Like that feeling on the sidelines, you know, what was going through your head as soon as you did that? I just I just remember the silence, the deafening silence that, that sort of fell over the ground. I, I'd never I, – I did my first ACL in a pre-season game out at Blacktown, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Sydney. And so there's not many people there, whereas this was a big game. It was a big game for both clubs. The MCG was packed and just a deafening silence that fell over the ground. I just – I'd never experienced anything like it before and – yeah, that's that's a, it was a direct reaction to what to what had happened to me on the boundary line, and you just sort of, you know, the whole the whole footy world was on me, and you know, obviously after the week before, I was reasonably well known in the AFL now, and you know, to go down and oh, I just remember a couple of sort of people over the fence were like, you know, you'll be right, you'll be right, and then Nick Smith came up to me, he's like, you know, you're all right, and I was like, no, I've, I've done my knee, and his face just sort of dropped, but then he's got to go and get his head back in the game. You know, I remember getting up, walking off with the with the trainers, and you know I we didn't even bother doing a ACL test or anything. I, I said to the doc, "Yeah, look, I know. Just um, just let me 
let me sort of take it in. And I knew the football world would be watching. I sort of just just didn't give much of a reaction. I, I remember mum walked down to the bench over the fence and she just sort of looked at me and we didn't need to exchange words. It was it was a it was a pretty, you know, significant moment in on that day, I suppose, and very special, special for the wrong reasons obviously. And and someone someone did capture that moment of, of mum standing there and looking at me and it's uh yeah, it's a photo that I've looked back on a fair bit since that day, but it is it just sums up our relationship. There was, you know, there's a fence in between and, you know, metaphorically, she couldn't do anything. She couldn't do anything to help me and that was the barrier. The fence was there to sort of, because there's that distance, you know, when you're going through something like this, no one else can help you and it probably hits them harder because they can't deal with it and, you know, what she'd been through and the support she'd given me had been massive, but that photo is, um, yeah, is something that I, that I hold really close to my heart. It's It's unbelievable. You just sort of sit there. It was late in the first quarter, so you know quarter times coming up. I had a few, few close mates like Dan Annabry and Jared McVeigh sort of come and go. You, you know, you will you be alright? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I've I've done my knee. I I didn't want to let it on too much. Just I knew how important the game was for the boys, so I went out at quarter time and did what I always did. Just got around got around the boys and made sure heads were still in the game. Some guys knew, other guys didn't. You've got the you know young 18, 19 year olds that are pretty naive and. You know, probably not the most switched on units. And they sort of said, oh, will you be all right? I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. You know, all good. Nothing's wrong. And I just wanted them to focus on the game. That's That was my priority to make sure they got they got a win. And then, yeah, I just went down to the rooms and just sat there with the family for the remainder of the game, really, just behind closed doors. And you just sort of absolutely shattered. The, the world sort of ended, really. You, you think, how has this possibly happened in eight days? You know, last week I was playing on Mason Cox and, you know, keeping him goalless and having an impact on the game and you know being a part of one of the one of the great wins for the Swans last year and now I'm, I'm sitting in the same position that I've been in before and you sort of think Mate, you know, it's, it's all over it's all too hard it's cruel it's cruel and it's uh, we were touching on at breakfast before and it's I suppose the only way I can relate to that is when I was telling you about my story of getting that five-year clear CT scan for my testicular cancer and you're in like that natural high and you're just on top of the world and oh, life's amazing. Absolute euphoria. Yeah. Exactly, euphoria. And you're, yeah. It's just a, such an amazing feeling. And then for me, you know, two months later and, you know, for you eight days, but then to just out of nowhere, just get pulled straight back down to the bottom again to say, well, for me, you've got another cancer. And yep. for you, it's like, mate, well, you knew it. You've got another ACL. And just what comes with that emo- emotionally, mentally, like it's just so much to take in on the, the mental side. And to comprehend what's going through it all, and and but it's 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 phenomenal that you still even after that your, your dream's not dead. You still got that dream to play AFL. Unfortunately, Sydney, you know they've been good for you for so so long, but it did get to a stage where you know they did delist you. Unfortunately, so you, you you're not, not no longer a part of the Sydney team. But I think there was a a strong quote which John Longmire actually I guess said after this sixth ACL, and he said uh, Alex's perseverance and strength is among the best I've seen in the game. And it was a real credit to him that he was able to fight his way back to playing after so many setbacks. And I suppose what now, although you've been delisted by Sydney, you're still playing footy, what's the next sort of 12 months sort of hold for you, I suppose, as far as AFL? Yeah, look, I'm not too sure. As you said, I, I got delisted at the end of last year and it was a you know it was a big few months for me. I did knee reconstruction, then a shoulder reconstruction, then you get delisted and told your career's over, you sort of... It all hits you pretty hard at once. Um, I made the move back to Melbourne, you know, my hometown with the family and and friends all down here. And yeah, I've I've taken up sort of a part-time coaching playing role with the Northern Blues in the VFL. I played my ninth game on Sunday, which is probably the most games I've played in, you know, since 2012 probably. So I've been starved of of playing footy. I I made it back after 
after nine and a half months of, of the latest knee reconstruction, which is reasonably quick, but you know, I felt like I was in a really good position and the access the Northern Blues and Carlton Footy Club have given me has been massive. The, the support they've, they've shown me has been huge and I'm loving running out there every yeah. weekend. That's, that's what I grew up doing. I, you know, I used to play two games of footy on a weekend, you know, as a young kid and I just love playing. So that's why, that's why I'm back doing it. And Will we see you out on the uh, playing AFL in the foreseeable future, or you just don't know? No, don't know at this stage. It's it's one of those things that I'm hoping so. I'm hoping I can have a full preseason next year and look to play again, and and we'll see where we go from there. I'll yeah. um I'll sit down over the next sort of month or two and figure out my next move. Well, mate, I suppose if you know better than anyone, if a comeback can happen, you know, you know that you can you can be that miracle comeback and. I think, you know, you've, you've probably learned so much over the last sort of nine years, really, since you were drafted as that young sort of 18, 19-year-old, straight from school to the journey you've gone through with six ACLs and the, the ups and downs and the emotional roller coaster really, with, with then the, the final comeback game after 2,136 days to then the very next game do a different ACL, get brought back down again, unfortunately get delisted, back in VFL, working your way up again, the strength, the resilience, the leadership you've shown—it's uh, it, phenomenal. And I think the whole world was behind, the whole football world was behind you during that journey of yours and during that, you know, very emotional time. But what what's the probably the one key thing if you had to pick one? I'm kind of pretty on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. That you have learnt over the last sort of nine years that I guess for the 25 Stay Alive listeners that it can relate to say, look, it might not be cancer or an illness or anything like that, but you've, you've had more setbacks than most. Uh, what is the one key piece of advice that you can pass on or something you've learned? Yeah, I think the, the big thing for me is, is perspective, really. That's what I tried to, tried to think about going through things. And I mean, you can sit there and sulk and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, you need those times where you sit there and go, you know, this sucks and why me? And you look at people around you that are doing what they want to do and doing what you want to be doing. But I think you've just got to think that it, it's not all bad and that you've got to take positives out of it. I wouldn't be the person I am today without the journey I've been on. And, you know, although I'd, I'd, I would have liked things to go a little bit differently, you've sort of just got to look at that and go, well, this is my reality. This is, what, this is what's happened to me. So there's not much I can do about it. And you've just got to take what you can from it, take the positives out of it. But yeah, the perspective thing is, is massive, I think. And it's with you as well, with your challenges, you've sort of looked at, you, you look around and go, well, life's not that bad. Mm. You know, I've, I've still got a lot of mm. positive things going for me in, in my life and, and things are going reasonably well. Yeah, I've had a few setbacks and, a bit of shit's happened to you, which yeah. is which is quite literally. Yeah, a bit of that's shit. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pun intended. Well, yeah, <laughs> which is which is not ideal, but you you just have to think about that and and mm. look at the bigger picture and think. Look, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Just to hear you say that the whole perspective piece and how positive you've been throughout. And like you said, yeah, you're allowed to have some down days, but you've just been unbelievably positive. Yeah, you've shown such unbelievable mental resilience to continue to bounce back after so many people would have probably given up. Yeah. And then to still, to this day, have that dream of playing AFL again, it, it is amazing to hear, mate. And my fingers are well and truly crossed that hopefully you, you have that dream come true again. But if not, like you said, you have learned so much about yourself. And I think you can, the advice that you can pass on to other, especially young, aspiring young AFL players, you know, I'm sure there's a, a huge career in there for you as far as the coaching side of things go, mate. But I just... Just want to say again, thank you so much for coming and taking the time to sit down with me. You've just got one hell of a story and, and I think you've uh, you've just got unbelievable resilience. Yeah, no worries at all, mate. I really appreciate it and thanks for having me. No worries. Cheers, Alex. You've been listening to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 25 Stay Alive. And feel free to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.